Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Talking Indonesia podcast. My name is Ken Stiawan from Melbourne University's Asia Institute and in today's podcast we will discuss urban planning in Indonesia. Due to rapid urbanization, Indonesian cities have changed profoundly. How have Indonesian leaders responded to the challenges that their cities face? What factors inhibit heritage conservation? What are the consequences of those major development projects? And what can be done to develop cities into sustainable and inclusive spaces? Here to talk about these topics is Professor Vijaya Martokusumo, who is a professor in architecture and urban heritage conservation at the Bandung Institute for Technology. Pak Vijaya, welcome to Talking Indonesia. Thank you. But we do, we've seen in Indonesia um, a very rapid urbanization. What are some of the consequences? Or mm. How have Indonesian cities changed due mm. to urbanization? You are right that we are now witnessing the so-called uh, rapid pace of uh, globalization, urbanization, which led into the so-called transformation of Indonesian cities. And it has also... Uh, brought some consequences if you are talking about urbanization then we are talking about the uh, resource how we consume spaces urban spaces in indonesia uh, the consumption of spaces urban spaces will also be highly demanded yeah and we can also understand that some of this uh, impact of the development has also environmental problems. Urbanization has thus brought new challenges for Indonesian cities, and most of our listeners will be familiar with the traffic congestion, pollution, and the lack of green spaces. What kind of effects does that have on people? The lack of public spaces, uh, the lack of supporting facilities such as sidewalk, it makes also uh, health problems. Yeah, the so-called degenerative disease. You know. If there is no chance for people to do walking, they tend to try to stay at home and they consume food, which probably not so good, and they, they watch TV. I think this is the, the typical society, life of so our current society. So that's why that the city has to uh, think critically about this issue, because if they don't provide supporting facility as a sidewalk. You can imagine that in the near future our younger generation will be in the term of health substandards. So urban planning has a direct influence on other socio-economic objectives such as health. Who are the main drivers of urban development? Mostly, I would say, yeah, mostly uh, initiated by the private developers. Sometimes the result is not connected to each other. So it is really a, a challenge for the architects and planners or urban designer how these segregated spaces or this is discrepancy can be connected as a whole. So if you talk about segregated spaces, yeah. how exactly should we imagine that? Yeah, let's say that in Jakarta, it is a common a common uh, situation that there is also high-rise building, let's say 20-story, 25-story, and exactly opposite or close to the to the building, there is also still the kampongs, which is one or two stories buildings. Mm. So the contrast 
This is actually the image of uh, Jakarta, mm. typical for the big uh, cities, metropolitan city in Indonesia. So it is really our chance, how, or the challenge, how to resolve this kind of problems. The rapid urbanization has mm. basically caused contrast between yeah, different yeah. spaces in, mm. in Indonesian cities and mm. that also creates mm. new challenges. Now, yeah. how have um, Indonesian leaders responded um, mm. to them? You come mm. from Jakarta, you, yeah. you work in yeah. Bandung. Um, yeah. Both Jakarta and Bandung yeah. have now got leaders who spend yeah. a lot of yeah. interest and time yeah. on you know, um, I suppose redesigning their yeah. city. Could you give a few examples of how Ahok and Ridwan Kamil face that and yeah. you know, I, I will start with uh, Emil. Emil is the nickname of Bandung's mayor, Ridwan Kamil. I think he has a good ideas in uh, creating Bandung today. What Emil doing in Bandung is he's improving some of the public open spaces and the so-called neglected spaces yeah, beneath the highways and in the marginal spaces you you may call it yeah he has transformed into uh, useful places that might that might or that are indeed needed by the populations uh, emil also has uh, uh, he has also inherited problems accumulated problem from the previous governor so what are some of these accumulative problems? Yeah, it was totally uh, up to the to the capital who would like to invest in Bandung. It's up to them whether you would like to build a new structure in historic area just like we have in in Braga city uh, in Jalan Braga or whatever, yeah. In the last two decades all the permission of new building has been signed by the previous mayor and we are not really sure whether it has already scrutinized whether the plan fits actually into the into the uh, location whether there has a study or there's a there's a proper uh, evaluation whether they would have some development impact we were not aware of that and we don't really know after emil came to the power he had to see that many buildings, many new project building, which already designed before him, it has to be built. Are those challenges specific to Bandung or is there a more widespread problem? We do have a problematic situation because of the lack of the directives such as design guidelines, yeah? planning mechanisms, the ownerships, which you know that uh, administratively uh, it is hard to, it is still hard to, to overcome such a problem because uh, coordination between the planning agency it is also one of the big issues. Does Basuki Cahaya Purnama, the governor of Jakarta, also known as Ahok, struggle with the same problems as Ridwan Kamil? I think it was just like the case of reclamation. Reclamation is the development of artificial islands which has recently attracted most attention in Jakarta. Yeah, I can still remember when reclamation in, in Jakarta, yeah? I think it was in 1995 already the discussions. It was already discussed, it was already decided that environmentally it's not really proper.
or it is not properly done the study regarding the evaluation of the environmental impact it was in 1995 which means three decades ago yeah and a couple years ago we heard that it was part of the program that whoever the governor of Jakarta they had to do it so as you point out Ahok has in fact inherited this development project however he's also insisted that the reclamation project should be finished even though it is highly controversial both because of social and environmental consequences the project may have and because of allegations of bribery and corruption it's part of his program mm-hmm. now yeah even that it was not signed by him yeah and that's why uh, he would like to make some deals with the private development okay you can build this one but you have to pay additional some question is very very uh, important whether it has an intention or it is already the bribery mm. if it is already an intention it could be worse yeah but we have to differentiate regarding to the project of reclamation it is already in the program of the governor so he has no no retreat for the next part of the podcast i would like to pay attention to urban heritage conservation one of the consequences of rapid urbanization in indonesia has also been the loss of heritage buildings what factors inhibit urban heritage conservation and why is it so important for urban planning if you are talking about a city then I would say that a city has to have the so-called equality. If you are talking about quality, you are not talking about the physical evidence. You have to have the so-called the uh, aspects such as safety, pride, proud, yeah. And one of these can be also uh, taken from the so-called the the cultural product as an architecture. If you are talking about architecture in Indonesia, you will have a range of heritage which is not only vernacular, traditional, but also we have the so-called uh, architecture which was built in the colonial time. That's why we call it colonial architecture. Colonial architecture is not a style; it was an indication that that building was built in the colonial time. And colonial legacy is not always bad. it could be something interesting because some way uh, it is not only pure a western thought that implemented in those architecture but there is also the locality yeah if you take a look at the colonial architecture in bandung in some part of the area north bandung you can learn something that in the tropic there is a certain requirement from the architectures which can still be valid until today so never build a uh, uh, windows directly to the sunlight you have to have the so called uh, uh how do you call it uh, protruding structures to cover the windows why do they have the high angle of roof because because uh, the roof is kind of a protection against the the the, the hot climate yeah that can we learn from from uh, from the architecture of the colonial yeah so this cultural evidence that has to be protected not only as a fabric but 
the thought and the idea which could be conveyed or co delivered to, to, to the next generation. That's why in this sense that we have to treat our heritage, it's part of our cultural heritage, architectural heritage. So we have to take them into account, we have to put them in a certain way, we have to give them a, a value, a meaning. If it is meaningful, then it will raise the sense of belonging. And that makes us pride. Yeah? It is the proudness of the city. Heritage conservation thus has several purposes. Definitely, yeah, yeah. tracing a city's yeah. history, yeah. creating a sense of belonging and identification. But there is also a lot to be learned from yeah. certain exactly. um, design practices yeah. that may still be very yeah. beneficial today. Exactly. Now, is that something that is acknowledged by um, uh, governments in urban planning? I, I think in Bandung, uh, Pa Emil has already uh, mentioned that urban heritage is one of his. Uh, the problem is how to get them implemented. Bandung has uh, 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 the so-called heritage list, uh, which only cover almost 100 buildings. But there are also a huge number of buildings which is not registered. That could be also listed into the category protections. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. How to deal with the existing structures? You know, the building which is not yet uh, registered is now decaying because of the process of the aging and then the rapid pace of development eh? because the investment they would like to buy and many houses many small houses or many uh, colonial houses in, in in a certain area of Bandung has been demolished to give place for that new architectures and you know what and mostly it was signed before the mayor of Emil came to power and of course uh, Ridwan Kamil Emil has that interest in urban heritage conservation because he's an architect. Yeah, yeah, I do believe, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah we, I know I know that he has a, a passion for that, but he has made a, um, a policy that uh, the new building, because Bandung will be divided into two, no? principally the new development area, which is now in Gedebagi, mm. it is called the Technopolis, yeah, Bandung Technopolis, and the old Bandung, which is... <coughs> the former uh, city center because the government uh, area will be moved to the uh, Bandung Technopolis and the old area of Bandung will be I would say quote-unquote conserved and it doesn't mean that there, there will be no new development in that old Bandung but Emil has a different policy which is I thought it is a little bit uh, tricky he mentioned that new building which will be built in the old Bandung should be related to the Art Deco architectures. For me, it is a little bit funny because why? Why Art Deco? Because you are not living in the 1920, 1930. You are living in 2015, 56. So you have to you have to come to your own. Yeah, it was a critic only. Yeah, mm -hmm. but anyway, I think uh, uh, we'll put some effort on conserving, hopefully, heritage yeah. in Bandung. You just mentioned the heritage list in Bandung. How is decided what is heritage and what is not? So the problem is we, we don't, uh, there is a lack of uh, directives, yeah, urban design guidelines. So when we are talking, okay, this building should be protected, but how it can be developed? Does it mean that if it is uh, under the category A, the highest category, 
you don't have the right to build or do you still have the right to build if you do have the right to build how it can be implemented that we don't have so lack of uh, technical guidelines and then what happened to the other buildings which is not uh, <coughs> registered there is also a great uh, a number of buildings on top of the heritage list that we had <coughs> which uh, should be reconsidered the building uh, has a certain aspect that could be categorized or should be protected as well as an heritage it, yeah there is a criteria no? uh, because of the age more than 50 years it demonstrates a certain style of uh, architecture or whatever or it refers to a, a certain uh, <coughs> persons in history something like that but because of the archive we cannot uh, make a decisions whether this one uh, uh, really uh, fall into that category or not. So there's also but a problem. From the, from the style, from the, from the uh, appearance, mm -hmm. it seems it could be, but we don't have any evidence that that is exactly built, let's say, in 1920. So there's also a problem with records in that sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned that heritage conservation plays a very important role in fostering a sense of belonging and pride. Um, as such, this is also a very politically charged process. How are political sensitivities reflected in heritage practices? There is also a, an interesting case. It was in Jakarta. It deals with the a former Chinese captain house. It is a very special building typology regarding the Chinese architectures. And exactly on that location, there will be built an apartment tower. So uh, at the very beginning, they intended to demolish the whole building, but there was a, a discussion there was uh, uh, it is not a demonstration but it was critics ne? against the government of DKI they have to do something and it has been negotiated that some part of the building has been cut down but only the the main building is kept and then they built the two towers two towers above the building and another interesting story is uh, the Sigitiga Senen it was uh, in Jakarta as well many uh, Chinese uh, uh, shop houses all had been demolished but only one building which the Dutch architecture has been protected and the question is why you protected this European architectures or influenced by the Dutch but on the other way the Chinese architecture has been all demolished and they recreated the so-called <coughs> another new Chinese architecture according to the uh, perception of that time it was during the Suharto era no? at that time yeah all related to Chinese has been Demolished. This is a funny question among the academia. At that time, I was still a student, and yeah, we have a difficult situation because if it is deal with the European, it has to be protected. On the other side, when it's deal with the Chinese, which is also 
interesting in terms of architecture and culture, it has to be done else. It was only because of the Gusdur. Gusdur, or Abdurrahman Wahid, was Indonesia's president from 1999 to 2001. Amongst others, he lifted the bans on the display of Chinese characters and the importation of Chinese publications into Indonesia. When he came into the power, all the Chinese has been raised up. You've outlined many challenges of urban planning and heritage conservation in Indonesia, um, starting from the dominance of private developers in this process, also a lack of directives, as well as political considerations and sensitivities. To wrap up this podcast, what do you believe should or can be done to foster the developments of Indonesian cities um, towards uh, practices that are more sustainable and inclusive? I would say that we, need, we still need time. We still need time to overcome all the inherited problems. Yeah, but most important is human-centered development is is the key words or buzzword. Yeah, we are we are we are working for person and we are doing for uh, human. That's 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 our main uh, goal. I believe that with this tema that you can critically uh, see what the impact, what could be the problems. Anyway, we have to make uh, some kind of uh, anticipation what are going. To have in the in the near futures because like I said before if you made a decision it is true it is right at that moment which might be another issue in the next couple of years I think it happens everywhere so what is important again is you are not shifting the problem you are not allowed to shifting the problem so if you are going to make a solution that you have to think uh, exactly rather than, okay, uh, we can do some a temporary solution and then let's have another thing of uh, in the next two or three years. We are, not, we are not building for something, but we are dealing with people, we are dealing with human dimensions. But Vijaya, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you very much, Ken. That was Professor Vijaya Martokusumo on urban planning. The next Talking Indonesia podcast, hosted by my colleague Dave McRae, will be available on the 28th of July. And as a reminder, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast series at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. Many thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast.